Chapter Six of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joyce Martin. The History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume One by Eliza Haywood. Chapter Six may be of some service to the ladies, especially the younger sort, if well attended to. Miss Betsy had now no person that professed a serious passion for her, but as she had yet never seen the man capable of inspiring her with the least emotions of tenderness, she was quite easy as to that point, and wished nothing beyond what she enjoyed, the pleasure of being told she was very handsome, and gallanted about by a great number of those who go by the name of very pretty fellows. Pleased with the praise, she regarded not the condition or merits of the praised, and suffered herself to be treated, presented, and squired about in all public places, either by the rake, the man of honor, the wit, or the fool, the married as well as the unmarried, without distinction and just as either fell in her way. Such a conduct as this could not fail of laying her open to the censure of malicious tongues, the agreeableness of her person, her wit, and the many accomplishments she was mistress of, made her envied and hated even by those who professed the greatest friendship for her. Several there were who, though they could scarce support the vexation it gave them to see her so much preferred to themselves, yet chose to be as much with her as possible in the cruel hope of finding some fresh matter wherewith to blast her reputation. Certain it is that though she was as far removed as innocence itself from all intent or wish of committing a real ill, yet she paid too little regard to the appearances of it, and said and did many things which the actually criminal would be more cautious to avoid. Hurried by an excess of vanity, and that love of pleasure so natural to youth, she indulged herself in liberties of which she foresaw not the consequences. Lady Trusty, who sincerely loved her, both for her own sake and that of her deceased mother, came more often to Mr. Goodman's than otherwise she would have done, on purpose, to observe the behavior of Miss Betsy. She had heard some accounts which gave her great dissatisfaction, but, as she was a woman of penetration, she easily perceived that plain reproof was not the way to prevail on her to reclaim the errors of her conduct, that she must be insensibly weaned from what, at present, she took so much delight in, and brought into a different manner of living, by ways which should rather seem to flatter than check her vanity. She therefore earnestly wished to get her down with her into Livermore where she was soon going herself, but knew not how to ask her without making the same invitation to Miss Flora, whose company she no way desired, and whose example she was sensible had very much contributed to give Miss Betsy that air of levity which rendered her good sense almost useless to her. This worthy lady, happening to find her alone one day, a thing not very usual, she asked, by way of sounding her inclination, if she would not be glad to see Livermore again, to which she replied that there were many people for whom she had a very great respect, 
but the journey was too long to be taken merely on the score of making a short visit, for she owned she did not like the country well enough to continue in it for any length of time. Lady Trusty would fain have persuaded her into a better opinion of the place she was born in, and which most of her family had passed the greatest part of their lives in. But Miss Betsy was not to be argued into any tolerable ideas of it, and plainly told her ladyship that what she called a happy, tranquil manner of spending one's days seemed to her little better than being buried alive. From declaring her aversion to a country life, she ran into such extravagant encomiums on those various amusements which London every day presented, that Lady Trusty perceived it would not be, without great difficulty, she would be brought to a more just way of thinking. She concealed, however, as much as possible, the concern it gave her to hear her express herself in this manner, contenting herself with saying calmly that London was indeed a very agreeable place to live in, especially for young people, and the pleasures it afforded were very elegant. But then, said she, the too frequent repetition of them may so much engross the mind as to take it off from other objects which ought to have their share in it. Besides, continued she, there are but too frequent proofs that an innate principle of virtue is not always a sufficient guard against the many snares laid for it under the show of innocent pleasures by wicked and disingenuous persons of both sexes. Nor can be esteemed prudence to run oneself into dangers merely to show our strength in overcoming them. Nor, perhaps, would even the victory turn always to our glory. The world is censorious, and seldom ready to put the best construction on things, so that reputation may suffer, though virtue triumphs. Miss Betsy listened to all this with a good deal of attention. The impudent attempt Galen had made on her came fresh into her mind, and made this lady's remonstrances sink the deeper into it. The power of reflection being a little awakened in her, some freedoms also, not altogether consistent with strict modesty which others had offered to her, Convinced of the error of maintaining too little reserve, she thanked her kind adviser, and promised to observe the precepts she had been given. Lady Trusty, finding this good effect of what she had said, ventured to proceed so far as to give some hints that the conduct of Miss Flora had been far from blameless. And therefore, pursued she, I should be glad, methinks, to see you separated from that young lady, though it were but for a small time, and then gave her to understand how great a pleasure it would be to her to get her down with her to Livermore, if it could be any way contrived that she should go without Miss Flora. As I have been so long from home, said she, I know I shall have all the gentry round the country to welcome me at the return, and if you should find the company less polite than those you leave behind, it will, at least, diversify the scene, and render the entertainments of London new to you a second time when you come back. Miss Betsy found in herself a strong inclination to comply with this proposal, and told Lady Trusty she should think herself happy in passing the whole summer with her, and, as to Miss Flora, the same offer might be made to her without any danger of her accepting it. "'I am not of your opinion,' said the other. "'The girl has no fortune but what Mr. Goodman shall be pleased to give her, 
which cannot be very considerable, and he has a nephew in the East Indies, whom he is extremely fond of and will make his heir. Lady Mellison would therefore catch at the opportunity of sending her daughter to a place where there are so many gentlemen of estates, among whom she might have a better chance of getting a husband than she can have in London, where her character would scarce entitle her to such a hope. I will, however, persuaded she, run the risk, and chose rather to have a guest whose company I do not so well approve of than be deprived of one I so much value. Miss Betsy testified the sense she had of her ladyship's goodness, in the most grateful and obliging terms, and Lady Mellison and Miss Flora coming home soon after, Lady Trusty said she was come on purpose to ask permission for Miss Flora and Miss Betsy to pass two or three months with her down in Livermore. Lady Mellison, as the other had imagined, seemed extremely pleased with the invitation, and told her she did her daughter a great deal of honor, and she would take care things should be prepared for both the young ladies to attend her on her setting out. Lady Trusty then told her she had fixed the day for it, which was about a fortnight after this conversation and some other matters relating to the journey being regulated, took her leave, highly pleased with the thoughts of getting Miss Betsy a place where she should have an opportunity of using her utmost endeavors to improve the good she found in her disposition, and of weaning her by degrees from any ill habits she might have contracted in that babble of mixed company she was accustomed to at Lady Mellison's. End of chapter 6 Reading by Joyce Martin